The presenting sponsor for this season of Wild Ideas Worth Living is Ford. Their 2021 Ford Bronco Sport is the SUV that'll get you to your outdoor adventures. It's an off-road SUV built for the thrill-seeker, the sightseer, and the day-tripper. This SUV has many available features to help you get to your destination. With enough ground clearance, off-roading capabilities, and purposeful design that includes easy-to-clean surfaces and plenty of interior space, this SUV is your gateway to the outdoors. The Ford Bronco Sport is equipped to help you get out there, to the mountain ranges, the woodland trails, and to the coast. You can learn more about what the Bronco Sport has to offer at Ford.com or in our show notes. Tyree Moore grew up in a housing project in Washington, D.C. His school was three blocks from his apartment, and the community center was across the street. He lived a lot of his life within those few blocks, that is, until he was 12. When Tyree was in the seventh grade, he joined a program that took him to hike the Tetons in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. The Tetons were far away, and hiking was a completely foreign activity, but Tyree was curious and itching for some adventure, so he convinced his mom to let him go. Little did he know that trip would profoundly influence his life. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. On that trip, Tyree fell in love with the outdoors. He went on to become a guide and to climb Grand Teton, Mount Kilimanjaro, and Denali. But besides a few excursions organized specifically for black communities, Tyree recognized that the adventure industry was largely white. Not only did Tyree want to see more diversity on the trails, he also wanted his community in D.C. to understand his deep connection with nature. That's what motivated him to start his nonprofit, Soul Track. The organization connects urban communities of color with green spaces in the D.C. area. Before we talk about Soul Track, I want to take us back to how Tyree's love affair with the outdoors started. It was on that seventh grade trip with City Kids Wilderness Project. Every summer, City Kids takes kids from D.C. out to Jackson Hole for a few weeks to hike, backpack, climb, and paddle. I wanted to start with D.C. I mean, you grew up in Berry Farms housing projects, and then you said in seventh grade you went to Wyoming and saw the Tetons for the first time. What was that experience like? Growing up, you know, I just thought, like, my world before, you know, seventh grade was extremely small, right? Like, uh, life looked pretty similar amongst, like, many people that I interacted with. Like, you know, people had very simple jobs. People had really day-to-day, like, lifestyles that sort of were an expectation from the next generation after them to sort of take on those same roles, right? And I think that for me, being able to travel to Jackson Hole, like, which... I think is worlds apart from, you know, a DC like urban neighborhood that like, you know, first like demographic, right? Like it, like just being able to see people that didn't look like me was a huge culture shift. Like I spent very little time around people who weren't black, but then like geographically, like I had never seen mountains. Like I used to, I was a kid that I, I used to love watching Animal Planet and Discovery Channel and all of these like really wild adventure shows. But to be honest, watching those things seemed very mythical. Like they didn't seem like real places. It almost in a lot of ways seemed like 
white people's world. And so being able to sort of leave those three blocks that I lived in for most of my life at the time, it did many things, right? Like, so it, it taught me one, that the world was so much bigger, obviously, than I had known it to be. But it also had shown me, like, it put me in a space where I knew I could be there. Like, it sort of put me in the Discovery Channel, right? And that was something that I never could depict in my mind, right? Like, I knew that those places were there, but I thought there was another world for other people. And so being able to go to a place like Jackson Hole was very special for multiple reasons. One, that was my first introduction to another world. But it's a very, like, staple, dramatic like very extreme example of like traditional nature and like the outdoors, right? There's everything that you can possibly think of. You can climb, you can paddle, you can hike for miles, days after days. There's wildlife everywhere. And so anything that you can possibly think of is in Jackson Hole. And so to take such a huge leap at a young age, Kanda was like me really getting put into sort of the mecca of like where you can go to really sort of get thrown in it, right? And so for me, I was just, I had a very like fortunate opportunity like through a summer camp called City Kids Wilderness Project. At the time I was a seventh grader and just being able to sort of really explore what it is that I wanted to do as a kid. Like like I always played, I played a ton of sports, but being able to go to Jackson Hole and be able to do all of these different things really showed me that that's what the nature can do for me. It sort of offered me countless, endless opportunities to sort of really be the person, a kid at the time that I wanted to be and really learn so much about myself. I had never been so scared at moments in my life, like, <laughs> you know, like standing, like hanging from the edge of a cliff. Like I was a really tough kid, but feeling like afraid in front of like my friends was something that I never had to be, like a position that I never had to be in. Um, but also like feeling extremely accomplished to like stand at the top of like, you know, a uh, 10,000 foot mountain and like come walk away from that and sort of share that story with other people. You know, it just brought so many different developmental things for me as a kid that coming back to D.C. sort of really it sort of made me a much more well-rounded full person. Like it just sort of like it brought a, a completely different level of Tyree back to DC in a way that I think many other kids, especially where I grew up, weren't able to find in themselves. Like, right. They were still in those three blocks. That's awesome. And you were like 12 or 13, usually in seventh grade. Yeah, I was 12. Yeah, I was 12 years old, which is crazy. So I'm really curious when you were seventh grade and you went to the Tetons for your first time and what was your favorite activity? Uh, my favorite activity probably was backpacking. That was like one of the things that I felt like I was really being challenged. Like I love to sort of like push myself and like prove my strength. Like I had like, that was a big thing for me, especially as a kid. And I think that um, carrying a really heavy backpack that's probably half my weight was something that I felt like I was really being strong. Like I was like, oh, like, you know, get into camp you know, eight hours after starting and feel like you had a really long day, which is very empowering as a kid. Like, I think it sort of really instilled a level of strength in you that you might not have known that you had. But also I love hiking. I love backpacking for the simple reason of like utilizing your body, like your legs as a source of transportation and seeing um, like so much of the environment over the course of like, you know, two or three day trip. And I think that I really enjoyed that, um, especially when I was young because it all was so new to me. And so just being 
being able to sort of really feel like I was deep in it and hiking like for days into the wilderness was something that I felt was like this very Indiana Jones explorer like experience. And I think that that was really fun for me as a kid. And I think that that's what I latched onto initially. Seventh grade Tyree was blown away by the Tetons, but also by his own body, his power, and his ability to climb mountains. He was hooked on backpacking. A few years later, when Tyree was 16, he went on a backpacking trip with Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School. On that trip, he went from being a camper at City Kids to becoming a mountaineer. Clearly, Wyoming had a big impact on your life path. I mean, now you do basically what city kids taught you for a living. It's, it's incredible. So tell me about your first Knowles trip. I had went to Alaska for 30 days, like a 30-day backpacking trip. Um, and we just backpacked, but we went through the Talkeetna mountain range, which has some incredible peaks, um, along that, like the backpacking trip that we were on. 30 days straight. 30 days, 30 days straight. Like for That's the entire no joke. Month. No joke. Um, and no cell phone, nothing. No days. cell phone, like food drops from a plane every week. So like, Wait, you know, from just, a plane? From a plane, we would get our food delivered to and us. And you're eating like those like wafer crackers or we're what? eating like well wafer crackers, but like grains, like food and bags that we're just like rationed off for we packed them like two days before the trip, just trying to like schedule out our meals. And sometimes you run short on food and like you're like trying to scrape your way to the next ration two days out. Um, but it was a real deal. And I was 16 at the time. So, you know, that was a real challenge in terms of like, you know, my own personal like leadership skills and just terms of like meeting new people that I'd never known before and having to spend the next month with them under very extreme yeah. circumstances. Did, did um, you have to apply to be accepted? Like how yeah, does that so work? You, like I applied, um, actually knows offered me a scholarship there for that program. And then sort of coming out of that experience, I think that it just was a like there was obviously challenges that existed within that program. But I think that coming out of it, it was one of those things where I had felt so accomplished, like because that was probably at the time the hardest thing I had ever done and wanting to figure out how I could stay connected to that. And so um I remained uh, like in touch with Knowles and trying to figure out how I could potentially one day become an instructor. That was my goal uh, was to become a Knowles instructor. And I decided to then um, at 18, so two years after that, attend a, a mountaineering course. So I applied again and it was for an, uh, for an outdoor educator course. So I wasn't old enough yet to become an instructor, but this was like sort of a step towards that. So learning how to become more familiar with like teaching and sort of facilitating outdoors. And that was the first time I think I had sort of seen a professional direction that I could potentially have gone in for, like, in this realm, like, in this outdoor industry. After participating in the Knowles Trek, Tyree graduated from high school and went to college at the University of West Virginia for sports management. All the while, he kept in touch with some of his contacts at Knowles, particularly Aparna Rajagopal. Aparna was the head of diversity and inclusion at Knowles. She wanted to build the first all-black team to climb Denali in 2013. It was a big deal. 
Their climb was called Expedition Denali, and the team consisted of incredible Black Outdoors people, including Tyree, who was just 20 years old at the time. Expedition Denali's summit was filmed and turned into a documentary called An American Ascent. Tell me about Expedition Denali. How did that come about? What was it like to be part of the project? Yeah, so Aparna was sort of trying to figure out ways to, like, there have been, you know, just a huge disparity of, like, Black participants, like students at Knowles. And I think that coming up with a project where they were able to sort of visibly show representation of people who are existing in these spaces, who are doing things like something as cool as Clam Denali, hopefully could be a spark to a a shift or like a, a shift in interest for so many people to also think about potentially doing something similar, not Clam Denali, if they want to, fair enough, but just simply taking a step into sort of a new world like I had once to try something different. So she connected with brands like North Face to put together this project where she would find really prominent Black outdoor like leaders or athletes to come together and have this filmed project of nine Black climbers like trying to attempt Denali, which is North America's highest peak. And so that is what we did in 2013. That must have been incredible. So what impact did that have on you as a young climber? And the reason why that experience, I think, was extremely life changing for me is because prior to Expedition and Nali and beyond, I had been very young. So I had like spent a lot of my time outdoors for my own personal interest. Right. Like I wanted to do these things because I was having my own personal enjoyment. It was self-fulfilling. But also I had recognized that in a lot of cases I was the only person. So like on my nose courses, I had been the only black parts like student on those courses. And so everything I had sort of been engaged in beyond city kids, I had sort of stepped into this reality of like, okay, this is what (laughs) the industry looks like. And for me, I had sort of left my comfort zone and started to like question my existence in nature. And I think that being introduced to Expedition Denali created another sense of validation at a much higher level because I had met people like the first African-American woman to climb Everest, right? Like Rue Mapp from Outdoor Afro, like Scott, like Morgan Dixon from Girl Trek, these really prominent figures who had like existed in this space for decades, even before I had been born, right? And so being able to be on a mountain and share those stories and share those experiences was incredibly important, especially for me at the time, because I was graduating high school. I was going to college that year. And so I was trying to figure out like, what is my life look like? Like, do I take a more traditional route like the rest of my friends back in D.C.? Or do I continue to do this like really cool stuff that I'm enjoying and having fun with? But like, what does the future look like for me doing this? Because most people I met were doing this for fun. Like this was something that they were doing during the summers. And uh, like where I come from, you can't afford like I can't afford to just have leisure time to just like do whatever it is that I felt like doing. And then going back to some, you know, really privileged world like that I didn't have. And so from that experience, I had learned about like role, like nonprofit work that people were doing. I had learned about athlete work that people were doing, like in all these really incredible stories that really taught me that there was a space for Tyree in the outdoors beyond Expedition Denali. But also it 
gave me a platform that I didn't have previously um, to really sort of extend the work that we were set out to do on Expedition Denali. You know, it was up to us to really take accountability and sort of share these spaces and really push the message that this is all of our land. Like we all can enjoy these spaces because at first I didn't feel like that. I felt like it was me against the rest of the world. And I think that being able to sort of see that this project like gain so much traction, like traveling around the country, which we did after the climb, we traveled around to different schools, colleges, boys and girls club, telling the story, showing the film. And it showed me that I had, you know, the ability to really create change. And so being able to be a part of Expedition Nolly really taught me that I could really affect other people and like bring other people into this space because at first I was just trying to get myself there. What's so interesting is normally when I ask people about climbing a mountain, they talk about the climbing the mountain. And for you, the mountain is not the mountain. It's everything else. Right. No. And that's a good point because I think that um, so I climbed Denali twice, right? Like, so I went back to Denali after my climb with the first all African American team because I think that that climb meant so much more than the summit. Like, I think that for me, I was learning so much about myself. I was learning so much about what our community, what our planet needed, um, that I was there for a much greater purpose. And I think going back was a very self-serving climb. Like I wanted to just like take on the mountain for what it was, but the the climb itself was, you know, the, the first climb at least was one of those things where I had felt strong. I was young. I enjoyed like the athleticism, like aspect of climbing the mountain um, that in a lot of ways that came really naturally to me. I think that for me though, what I struggled is just like really understanding what role I play in this much larger like conversation. And so sometimes I do have a hard time talking about like how long the days were, like really talking my tent mates up around like, you know, wanting to give up or not being able to like feel like they had anything left in the tank. Um, because I think that for me, I was so confident, like we got this, we could do this, like this is easy. Like, you know, this, this is part of the climb. But to my point, the second time I went back and it was like, we never seen a day above zero degrees and it was freezing cold. It was only four of us. Um, and so we moved up the mountain a lot quicker until we couldn't because, um, you know, we ended up getting stuck at 14,000 camp for about two weeks. And I think that for me, though, I was able to see the mountain a lot differently because I felt smaller again. Like, you know, that first, again, to my point, that first expedition was so big, right? There were cameras. There was this message that we were like sort of pushing. And then the second climb, it was like, oh, wow, we're just like four people on the side of the largest mountain on the continent. That for me was what I wanted in that experience. I wanted to sort of really be thick and like the mountaineering mode again. And so being able to sort of go back and see the mountain from a different lens was really incredible. While his first climb was slower and had a larger purpose than just getting up the mountain, Tyree's second climb was colder, faster, and in a lot of ways, more physically challenging. During Expedition Denali, he learned a lot about the power of seeing other black people outdoors, about conquering summits and breaking trail for other people of color in the industry. When we come back, Tyree talks about the lessons he learned from Denali and how he started his innovative nonprofit, SoulTrack.
I've had a lot of portable speakers because I travel a lot and music is awesome. And the Sonos Roam is the best one I've owned. They sent me one this week and not only is the design sleek and minimalistic, but the sound is so crisp and clear. It was easy to set up with my phone and it automatically switches from Wi-Fi to Bluetooth wherever you go. It even tunes itself to your surroundings so the sound is always clear and perfectly balanced like you're in your own recording studio, which is very cool for a podcast nerd like me. Best of all, this thing is durable and waterproof, so it will definitely be coming with me to the beach this summer. You can discover Sound Made Easy at Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com. In the same pioneering spirit of our podcast, Teva is all about bringing wild ideas to life. Their premise is simple. Create a world with less plastic and more freedom. A bold concept? Absolutely. But let's not forget Teva was born from a bold idea on the Colorado River back in 1984. An innovator in the sport sandal category, Teva transitioned 100% of its iconic straps to traceable, verifiable recycled plastic using Reprieve yarn last year, diverting over 40 million bottles from landfills. They're back at it this spring, breaking the mold with a fresh batch of earth-friendly sandals. We're talking feel-good footwear that utilizes recycled materials and sustainable practices. So whether you're seeking a sidewalk-ready silhouette like the original Universal or hiking performance from the Terrify, Teva has a pair for you. Discover consciously crafted Teva sandals this spring with select colors available at your local REI and at REI.com. Both of Tyree's Denali summits shaped his path as an outdoors person, but they also impacted his outlook on life. Climbing Denali was more than just a physical feat. It taught him lessons that he carried back to his life in D.C. For me, I'm a surfer, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of lessons I learned in the ocean that I just, it's hard to describe, but like, I would never learn them on land. Yeah. What are the lessons you learn in the mountain, especially on Denali, that, you know, you could never learn on land? For me, on a mountain like Denali, I learned several lessons. I, like, learned that, you know, we all, like, like nothing can be done alone. Like, mountaineering is, like, some people can solo things, which is great, like, but to do it efficiently, to do it like with a positive mindset and feel comfortable, it takes a team and everyone has something to contribute. And you don't really understand that until your livelihood is on the end of a rope, right? You don't understand that until, you know, you can't get out of a tent and someone else has to make sure a meal gets to you after, you know, a 12, 13 hour day. You don't understand that until it's up to you to build the snow wall or everyone's tents get blown off the mountain and you're stuck on the side of a mountain at negative 20 degrees. And so for me, learning that, you know, I, my role in a team is critical, no matter what it looks like or what the title is behind it, you know, anything that I do is going to have an impact on a much larger picture. And so for me, that is something that I always take with me off the mountain because it's just such a very extreme example of like, if someone doesn't carry their weight, we all can't get to the summit. And I think that that is something that I apply constantly through the work that I do. Um, secondly, it's just like, um, 
like weight is a huge conversation around climbing a big mountain like Denali, right? Like, what are we carrying? What do we need? What don't we need, right? Like, and we have to shed off the things that we don't need. And need is a very, like, you have to pay very close attention to what that means, right? Like, not what you want, what you think you need, what you may need, but like, what is a necessity right now that you're going to carry on your back? for the next 30, 30 days, potentially, that you may not need to carry with you so that, you know, that weight cannot be any more of a burden than it has to be. And for me, that is incredibly important because sometimes it's so hard in your regular life to shed weight. Like, it's so hard to, like, not carry too much of a burden and pick up extra things along the way. And when you're in a situation where it is, again, going to affect, directly affect the progress and success of, a, like, climbing a mountain, it's a lot easier sometimes to be able to say, no, I'm not taking that. But learning how to do that also here in D.C. in my regular life, it has been incredibly rewarding because it has made me so much lighter. It has made me so much more happier. It has made my work so much more pleasant. I'm really interested because I, I think that, you know, a lot of us have a lot of stuff. Yeah. I say stuff with quotes and letting go of stuff and kind of BS baggage that we carry around is, is really cool. And I like the metaphor you're describing on the mountain. So what's the third thing? And my third thing, the last thing is mountaineering is a very slow pace sport, right? Like you're taking one step at a time, one step at a time to climb thousands and thousands of feet, right? And so for me, living in a fast paced society back in DC, sometimes it's really hard to live in the moment. It's sometimes really hard to pay attention to the day to day. And you kind of leave things behind, you kind of skip over, things quickly become memories. And for me, being on a mountain like Denali, it gives me the opportunity to slow down pay attention to my breaths. It gives me a time to look around, see what the world looks like around me, check in on other people that are with me, pay attention to my steps, listening to like what that sounds like. And so it makes me a lot more present in life. And I appreciate that because sometimes it's really difficult to be here and not think about, you know, next week or two weeks from now, or like this deadline that I have and being able to just be present and stop sometimes is all you need to just realign and adjust to sort of ease some of the, like the anticipation and stress that is waiting for you later on, like beyond that moment. And so um, that's the last thing I would say is just like being able to be on a mountain like that allows you to really be present and not think about anything else yeah, there's nothing like hanging off the side of a mountain to like make you actually pay attention and focus. Like, you know, feeling the side, like feeling what those rocks look like, the crystals against your fingers, hearing your breaths against the wall. Like, you know, you don't get to, you know, be that conscious of like where you are in that moment anywhere else. And so that's something that I just love about nature is that it really forces you to be there. Expedition Denali made history. It was written up in National Geographic, and the documentary won a bunch of awards. All this attention changed things for Tyree. He started to realize that his role in the outdoors was bigger than just enjoying the mountains. As a black outdoorsman, Tyree wanted to show other people of color that they have a place out in nature. He became a Knowles instructor, a raft guide, and he was building partnerships with brands as a mountaineer. Tyree was having a lot of conversations about diversity in the outdoors, but he wasn't seeing it on the trails. He decided to do something about it. How did you get the wild idea 
and when to start Soul Track? <sighs> so I got to the idea because I had spent a lot of time in the industry. And at some point, like, you know, it became very isolating again. Like I started to feel very alone in that space um, to the point of where I was saying, you know, I had really leaned in on Instagram and like different social media platforms to share my experiences. But I quickly started to feel just as disconnected um, as I did before. Like I started to become, you know, Tyree, the black guy that, you know, does white people stuff. And that became hard for me because that was my intention was to be a resource and be accessible and sort of like really promote like something that does feel accessible for people. But then there was people who I connect with who were in those really small worlds, right? Like that grew up in very similar environments as I was that that seemed like, you know, light years away from like what they seen for themselves. And so, um, I decided that, you know, what the work that I was doing, I wanted to feel more powerful in, in my position and like have the greatest impact. And I decided to come back to D.C. So at the time I had just been traveling, working like seasonal work, guiding. And I started to work back at City Kids as a, as like a program coordinator. That's so cool. But then wanted to like at the time, like I still feel like there was extra work that needed to be done. Right. Like and there's always more work that can be done. And I think that City Kids is doing really incredible work. But understanding that there can be more, right? Like, and so for me, I understood that it takes more than just like pouring resources into a 11, 12 year old. You know, there were 40, 50 other kids that also went to the city kids that were like, you know, and that may also have had similar interests as me, but weren't supported by their community as well, weren't understood by their community as well. Um, and those interests completely like eventually fade sometimes. They are lost, they're doubted or sort of rejected by the community. And so I wanted to figure out a way to not only show youth that there's space for them and learning and development in the outdoors for them, but also for their older siblings, for their parents, for their mentors, um, and just really approach programming from a multi-generational aspect. Like there's space for all of us to enjoy the nature, not just one demographic of Black people, not one demographic of, you know, like, like everyone, every, every white person I know feels invited to nature. Like they feel like they can do that also beyond the age of 12. They feel like they can do that as adults. And so understanding that my mother shouldn't think that that's something that just, I like can take advantage of, right? Like she should know that she can walk her dog in the park. That's literally 10 minutes down the street from her, but that's never, that's never really been something that she's felt like is a space that she can exist in. And so the work that I'm doing with Soul Track is to just reinforce that, you know, these are our local spaces. These are public lands that we pay taxes on that we should be accountable to. Like we should maintain them as well as enjoy them. And so we do a lot of work um, bringing not only youth, but college students. We bring adults, we bring professional level like leaders as well into these spaces to really sort of paint the picture that, you know, these places need to be cared about, but we also need to, like, we deserve to be there. We deserve to sort of be invited and take care of these environments because they're in our neighborhoods, they're down the street. And also to hopefully show that, you know, if I can enjoy these spaces, I can also go out to Jackson Hole and there's a connection equally there as well. But I found that sometimes we skip our local spaces. We point too frequently to places like Jackson Hole or to like, you know, Boulder, Colorado. And if I grew up in Washington, D.C., I'm immediately excluded from 
the conversation, right? Like if climate change, if environmental justice is focused on these very extreme, more traditional environments, it's harder for me to feel connected to that. And so for me, it's been really important to start local, start at home. We do it through cohorts. So we have 10 environmental leaders, which is the adult cohort. We have college cohort that we work with students at Howard University, a local historically black university. And then we have a youth cohort that we work, we partner with uh, um, an elementary school here. And we take them through a year of programming that, again, allows them to sort of enjoy our local spaces through both recreational and stewardship opportunities. I love that. And I saw on your website, you guys also cater to families. Yeah. And so yeah, part of that youth program is that we we require like parents to be present for those programs. Right. Like because it's really easy sometimes to like, you know, pass your kids off to like a really cool opportunity, a really cool activity that they can be a part of. But we really want families like households to understand that, like, not only can your child enjoy this hiking trip or this climbing trip, you can, too. And like we're not requiring anyone to, you know, climb on the side of a, a cliff, right? Like if that's something that you aren't comfortable with, sure, but you can maybe be there and cheer on your child and like be like that. Like I love doing that. Like that's something that I've like signed up to do through my work. But you know, how important is it also to have like your parent there to sort of be a part of that experience, be a part of those first, like really, like it would be incredible for my mom to have like flown out to Jackson Hole with me and gone backpacking, right? We all have a role here and we can really like create so much beauty in these spaces if we all are susceptible to just understanding that there's a space for us, no matter what that looks like. And so that's part of why we decided to go the family route as opposed to just youth, because I think that it just has a different meaning when you're understood as a 12 year old, like when your parents can really um, see what that space does for you um, and then also make their own individual connection as well. You know, it just sort of creates for an opportunity for you to really be cultivated and nurtured um, throughout your development and not sort of have that be something that you carry on your back as something that you just enjoy. When I was 16, like to the point of like going out to Alaska, leaving city kids. And so no longer being in this bubble and going to Alaska for 30 days, you know, I immediately felt isolated and I went through that experience and I learned so much about myself because I had gone into that with four years at the time, maybe of outdoor experience. And I had um, at the time, there was maybe 15 other kids on that course and they all were white and they probably had a lot less experience outdoors than I did. But I immediately sort of fell to the back of that group um, because I didn't feel any points like connection points. Like I didn't know where I fit within the group and immediately sort of introverted and like just sort of you know, stayed to myself. But coming out of that experience, there was a lot of positive things that I had taken away from just like the level of just like resiliency as a group. Like I could obviously by the end of that experience, I connected with those students. We were, you know, really close coming out of that, but trying to go home and describe that and talk about those experiences, like what I had dealt with, with my mother, with my older siblings was really hard because there was a question of like, why did you even go and do that to begin with, right? Like, you know, you don't need to go and do that again. Like, why would you put yourself in that circumstance? And I think that for me, it was one of those moments where that was hard to even, like, how hard was it for me like two years later to tell my mother that then, oh, I'm going to go again to the same type of course, like, um, because I still enjoyed it, but it was 
it would have been a lot easier to be able to sort of have a home to go back to that sort of still knew what that experience did for me from a positive aspect. But a lot of that went over my family's head, right? They heard what was going wrong. For me, that's sort of the value of like being able to sort of have all levels of our community involved and not just, you know, putting that on one demographic to sort of take the burden into the next generation, right? The next few, like we can change now. We don't have to wait 10 years, 15 years for that change to happen. SoulTrack is just a few years old, but the organization has already made a tremendous impact. Tyree has also started programs that facilitate climbing, backpacking, biking, and hiking. They also do cleanups, trail maintenance, and tree planting in local green spaces. It's great that Tyree has found a way to redefine the outdoors and help people realize that there are places to explore close to home. I love that SoulTrack has programs for everyone, for youth, college students, and adults and families. You can learn more about SoulTrack and you can give your support at SoulTrack.com. That's S-O-U-L-T-R-A-K.com. Tyree, I am blown away by your creativity and your dedication to the work you do. It's incredibly inspiring that you've been able to bring your passion full circle. You can get in touch with Tyree on Instagram at Tyree.more. That's T-Y-R-H-E-E dot M-O-O-R-E. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Sylvia Thomas, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby, and our presenting sponsor is Ford. I have a new podcast out. It's called Vitamin Joy. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm also on Instagram at Shelby Stanger. As always, we appreciate when you follow this show and when you review it wherever you listen. Remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.